Welcome to the 118th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with John Steele, author of the thriller novel Angel City. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is John Steele, author of the Angelus Trilogy. The second book of the trilogy, Angel City, has just been published. John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for asking me. Can I have you read the first page or two of your new book, Angel City? Sure. From Chapter 1. Radio Intercept, Paris, September 9th, 2013, 1930 hours. Groupe de Intervention de la Gendarmerie Nationale, code red alert. Battobus Manon, dockside at Musée d'Orsay. Several bodies seen floating in the river. Manon heading east on the river. Anonymous tip reports area of Notre Dame to be target of attack by Mouquatelin Ila. This is a GIGN code red alert. Engage Operation Dragon Fortress. Repeat, this is a GIGN code red alert. Engage Operation Dragon Fortress. Level A terrorist strike in progress. Six men wearing black jumpsuits and balaclavas carrying light automatic weapons have hijacked Batobus Manon, dockside at Musée d'Orsay. Several bodies seen floating in the river. Harper's Mobile reconnected to Operations Control in Bern. Did you copy that transmission, Mr. Harper? The enemy tipped off the police. Indeed. They plan to make a show of it. The world's news media will be all over the story in a few minutes. You sure the bomb is on board? Affirmative. How many goons? Standard kill squad of six. Time to target? Tactical gives it 18 minutes of present speed and course. Can the mechanic shift the time warp? Negative. It's locked over Saint-Sulpice. Swell, Harper thought. Plan A looked great on paper. Goons attack, Inspector Gobe's time mechanics drop a warp over Saint-Sulpice. Harper sorts the goons. Cleanup crew secures the bomb. Just another night in paradise. None of the Parisian locals, the wiser as they take aperitifs in nearby cafes. Then now's the time for suggestions, Inspector. Tactical is transmitting a counterattack to your mobile as I speak. A map of Paris appeared on Harper's mobile screen, zoomed in on the border of the 6th and 1st arrondissement. Two dots appeared marking Pont Alexander III and Notre Dame. A third dot triangulated Harper's position at Rue de Mézières. Then a line appeared marking a track to l'Académie Française on the left bank. Double-time it, Mr. Harper, and you'll reach the river ahead of the Manon. From there, you'll have an opportunity to intercept. Just how am I supposed to get aboard? Swim? Tatus suggests something more along the lines of flight. What? Old tricks being what they are, Mr. Harper. The map zoomed in into a footbridge above the River Seine, directly in front of l'Académie Française. Manon's course would bring her directly under Pont des Arts. The map flipped to a side view, and an arrow marked the height from the bridge to the river. It was a 35-meter drop, winds southwest at nine clicks per hour. You can't be serious. In the last few minutes, SX sweeps have popped hot with chatter on the internet. Signals decode the chatter to read the bomb as worse than suspected. Define worse. The enemy has successfully bonded the RA-226 with Agony Potion. Harper worked the chemistry. RA-226, radium, rare earth metal, number 88 on the periodic table of elements, highly toxic. Pack enough of it with explosives, you've got a dirty nuke. Bonded with agony potion, 
you've got a fucking nightmare. Christ, they'll turn the center of Paris into a dead zone. Great. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about the Angelus trilogy yet, how would you describe the trilogy and specifically your latest book, which you were just reading from Angel City, which has just been published? The Angelus trilogy is a mix of mystery, noir, religion, history, legends and myths, all looking for answers to why is the world the way it is? Why is there good? Why is there evil? How can human beings be so cruel to each other? How can, how can we live in this way? It's a mystical romp, a, a, uh, a, a mystical thriller. It, it's actually hard to describe. Uh, I remember my, my publisher, uh, David Rosenthal from Blue Rider Press, uh, saying to me, you know, our biggest problem, with, I love this book, and our biggest problem is going to be how do we describe it? I mean, it's, it, it covers so many areas of broad spectrum of, of human history, um, the development of creation mythology, um, uh, you know, plugging into events in history and science, uh, culture, to sort of bring everything together to try and understand th this little corner of, of the planet um, that, that I operate in, which is based around Switzerland, that I call all that's left of paradise. There are creatures out there, creatures we call angels, fighting to save all that's left of paradise. And the question is, are they going to win or are they going to lose? Interesting. Well, well, I know that you have a background as a journalist where you've covered many wars in, in um, foreign countries. What, mm. what led you to writing the Angelus trilogy? Did you always know when you were working as a journalist that you also wanted to write novels or was there kind of a pivotal moment? Um, I actually wrote one book while I was still a journalist called War Junkie, which was a nonfiction uh Memoir on one life of uh, on one year in the life of a frontline cameraman, which is which is what I was, and um, you know I worked in some pretty rough spots, uh, Rwanda and Goma and uh, Sarajevo and Chechnya and you know the Middle East, um, and there were times where I felt that I was actually on the front lines of good and evil. I mean, you know, it's hard. You know, thousands of innocent people died in my camera lens, and I. And I watch them die. I watch them suffer. I watch them die. And that sort of thing does affect you. And War Junkie dealt with all that. Um, it wasn't until I got through book two of the uh, trilogy, Angel City, that I realized I was still dealing with the same issues. I was, um, I was trying to explain why is the world the way it is? Why is the world the way I saw it when I was working in a cameraman? Why do innocent people suffer and die? I mean, and... In our religious traditions, um, there was a battle between good and evil. Uh, you know, when uh, the Creator, um, whichever you want to call, uh, whichever name you want to call him by, created the world, and there was a battle between good angels and bad angels. And you know, we are taught that the good angels won. Well, if that's the case, why is the world still the way it is? Why is there so much suffering, and why is there so much? Um, slaughter of the innocents, you know, in in this day and age. So I am, um, I'm still, I'm still addressing those themes. I think I'm, I'm trying to explain, you know, how the world can be like this, and you know, th there is no logical explanation for it, as far as I can see. So I'm creating a my own my own series of legends and myths in the Angelus trilogy to try and explain it to myself. 
And and have you have you in effect uh, retired at this point from from frontline uh, journalism and a cameraman, or or is that something that you plan to return to? No, no. Uh, well, one, I'm 62 years old, um, and uh, <laughs> it's you become uh, uh, you know as a cameraman, uh, you're you know you have equipment to worry about. Uh, in those situations, you're wearing a flak jacket, which is quite heavy, and a helmet. Um, and, you know, I am slowing down a bit at this stage of my life. Um, I actually was in Baghdad and uh, I lived in Baghdad after being there 26 times in and out over the years. And uh, in 2003, I lived there for five months leading up to the war. And on the day the war started, I just decided I didn't want any part of it. And um, I quit. I thought we had failed as journalists that this war was even happening. Um, and I just didn't want any part of it. Um, so I drove out of Baghdad as... Um, Bombs began falling on the border of uh, Jordan and Iraq. Um, and I, I uh, moved to the south of France, um, lived in a small village of winemakers where there was I didn't have a radio or a telephone or a television or read newspapers for a long time. And um, I just started thinking about what kind of story I wanted to, to write or where I wanted to go. And um, I did go back. I, I, sorry to answer your question. I did I, no. I didn't want anything to do with TV news. I I I, I was just horrified by the whole thing um, that this war in Iraq had you know become such a tragedy. But in 2007, I started reading about it and discovered that um, American sol more American soldiers were dying from suicide than uh, being killed in the field of battle, and that caused me to go back to Iraq in 2008. Uh, to live with a combat unit way out in the middle of nowhere for three months, uh, recording, um, just living with them like a fly on the wall and filming everything they were doing and doing a series of confessional-like interviews where they talked about their feelings and emotions. And that came out as a four-part series called Baker Boys um, Inside the Surge. And that was it. I knew that was my goodbye to, um, you know, that, you know, that, that work, um, mainly because, as I said, you know, these were 19 and 20-year-old kids. And, um, I was in good shape at the time, and you know the captain had said, "You know, if if you fall behind, we will leave you." Yeah. And I said, "Yes, sir. Thank you, sir." So I kept up, but I'm done with it. I I, I find everything I want to do to uh, talk about feelings and emotions and the state of the world uh, in writing my books. And and you said that you know in in effect you were writing these books to kind of explain to yourself about the way the world works. Do you feel like mm -hmm. you, do you feel like you've reached any kind of explanation for yourself, or is it all just a part of the process of writing these novels? Well, you see, the bottom line is we can't know. We really can't know how the universe works. I mean, the more we learn about the universe, um, the more questions there are. Um, what fascinates me about legends, myths, and religions, and, and uh, especially creation mythology, uh, through all the different religions um, and uh, cultures of the, of the world, in a way, they're all saying the same thing. That, to me, is fascinating, as if there is some, there is one truth that is, is, we do know about as a species. Now, of course, that's, you know, that's a bit of a fantasy thinking about, you know, the, the universe in those ways. But growing up as I did as a, uh, as a Catholic, uh, when, you know, the mass was in Latin and, um, you know, we took all those things very seriously. Um, 
I was affected by, you know, the, these ideas and, you know, these these myths and these legends and, you know, the articles of faith and finding out that they were drawn from other religions and other religions drew them from other religions going back and back and back uh, was one thing. Finding out that an Indian tribe in the Pacific Northwest had the same sort of creation mythology as uh, people in the Middle East uh, or coming out of uh, Persia or Iran or Iraq or wherever, um, it was yeah, you know, it was just unbelievable. You know, it was it was a remarkable subject to me that 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 there was this one connection somehow. So I don't I don't think you can know the truth, but you can you know as I said you you can make up your own legends and myths that 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 comfort you looking at the universe and and the world and our place in it. Interesting. So so along the way when you were doing um journalism and 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 you know covering these wars were were you reading fiction were were there books or authors that kind of inspired you along the way to to turn your own hand to fiction? Um well I I was always a fan of Raymond Chandler, uh Graham Greene, uh, I love Evelyn Waugh, PG Woodhouse for his uh dialogue. Uh, I was always a big fan of uh, uh, James Elroy when I was turned on to him. I read all the classics, uh, you know, Mark Twain and Jack London and, and Hemingway and all that. So, yeah, but but I never thought I could actually do it. Um, I started writing fiction because, well, I needed something to do. I didn't have a job. And, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, which is – but – I, I as a kid, I always kept notebooks and I, I kept diaries and things like that. So, yeah, I guess I had all the makings of it. I mean, my thing as a kid growing up was um, I was, uh, you know, dyslexic as a kid and um, had ADD. But I was raised in an era when these sorts of things were uh, we were just coming to understand those. So I was just considered in school as someone pretty slow and uh, who had to you know, a tendency to sort of uh, gaze off in a daze out the window and not pay attention, that sort of thing. Um, so, no, I, and I was a terrible student. I, I'm, I probably, you know, was the only straight D minus student at, uh, you know, Central High School in Great Falls, Montana, that, you know, got out the door with a diploma. But um, uh, writing just became something that I wanted to do. I, um, Reading, re, you know, when you read a book, when you read one of Graham Greene's books or you read one of Jack London's books or something like that, you, you know, there, there was always a part of me that said, gosh, I'd, I'd really like to try this, but I don't really have anything to say. And then when I put down my camera and I, I knew I, I could write because I had written War Junkie, uh, an autobiography, I, I knew I could put words on paper in 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 a way that were 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 interesting for some people to read um but fiction was just i when i started it i was i was terrified I, I didn't know if i could pull it off and um i'm just glad that there are people out there reading the books and you know have have a feeling that well i guess you know i did pull it off sure and and what was your path to publication i mean did you already have connections given you know a war junkie um yeah I did. I mean, the, my path to publication actually is a lot funnier starting before War Junkie because uh, I was always writing on my computer on, you know, in airports or on pieces of paper. 
And, you know, it was kind of a joke in the company I worked for, you know, because I was traveling all over the world and people would say, oh, you know, John Steele's writing a book. Isn't that funny? Um, and um, I was working with uh, an American agent and they, they sent they sent the manuscript of War Junkie out and it came back. I had four rejections and one person who said, well, if he turns it into fiction and makes it an American company that he works for and gives it a happy ending, you know, we might be interested, <laughs> uh, you know, that sort of thing. And the other one I can't even remember. All I remember is I was so outraged that um, um, I, um, I, dis- I burned the manuscript. I destroyed the floppy disks that had the copy on it and I smashed my computer to bits. There was one... Um, there was one copy of the manuscript left with my uh, producer living in Amman at the time. And I called her and told her to uh, get rid of it. And uh, at this time, somebody, one of my reporters who had a literary agent called me and said, my agent wants to read the book. I said, uh, you know, uh, fuck off. Cause I can't be, can I say fuck off? <laughs> sorry. Yes, oh, sorry. Um, anyways, uh, told me to forget, you know, I said, forget it. Um, you know, it's, I wrote it for myself. I don't care, blah, blah, blah. And he ended up calling, uh, my producer and I'm going to say, what's, what's going on? And he said, well, he's, 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 he's destroyed it. I have the only copy. And he said, well, send it to me. So he sent it to me a few weeks later. I'm in the West bank and the middle of the Intifada in a place where there's a firefight and bullets going around and my phone rings and I pick it up and it's this person saying, hello, this is Georgina Capital. I'm a literary agent in London. And I'd like to represent your book. I've read it. I like it. I'd like to represent it. And I said, oh, fuck off and hung up, you know, thinking it was somebody on the foreign desk making a joke. And um, they uh, she called back and said, I am Georgina Capel. I'm a literary agent. I'm a very good literary agent. And uh, I want to represent your book. I mean, that's how I that's how I became published, you know. Um, so when I when I turned my hand to fiction, um, I was actually in at a at a place called the Frontline Club in London, showing uh, bits of the film I made in Iraq, Baker Boys. And my publisher from uh, Transworld, Doug Young, was in the audience. And he came up to me and he said, I heard you've written a novel. And I said, yes. And he said, I want to read it. And um, he got it. And uh, two weeks after he read it, uh, you know, they uh, Transworld uh, bought it. And they bought, uh, you know, they loved the whole idea of the series, the Angelus trilogy. So they bought that. And then that got connected to uh, uh, Blue Rider Press from Penguin in the United States. And uh, now it's just sort of bouncing around the world, um, you know, in different languages. I mean, it's being translated into different languages. So it's all it's all exciting stuff, actually. That's great. That's great. So so you we've mentioned that it's a trilogy. Do you do you mm-hmm. have plans yet beyond the trilogy in terms of fiction? Yeah, I mean, I, um, uh, I, I, yeah, in fiction, I'm going to stay with fiction, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have, uh, I mean, I, I promise people, and I've, I've promised readers everywhere I go, there is going to be no fourth book, you know, <laughs> and I will make sure in the writing of the third book, there is no fourth book. Th- this is finished. It, it's done. You know, there's not even going to be a hint of a fourth book. And uh, um, yeah, so that's why we call it a trilogy. But the next book I'm going to do is uh, is uh, that I've been thinking about and working on for years uh, is uh, called Banana Republic. And it's about a, a mid-level uh, drug dealer uh, in the 80s who, after a deal goes bad in Miami, he ends up in Panama City uh, 
uh, in the final days of uh, the Noriega regime. And, you know, as a journalist, I was down there during that time. And I just thought this is this really is a banana republic and there's a great story to be done here. So um, it's actually kind of funny. I mean, I'm, I'm really jazzed to, you know, finish uh, The Way of Sorrows, which is the title of book three in the Angelus trilogy. And part of me that wants me to get through it so much is so I can get to this next story. You know, I, I really want to get to something new. So uh, it, it, it's all kind of exciting and manic at the same time. That's great. Well, well, if people are interested and want to learn more about the Angel- Angelus trilogy, how, how can they find you online? Uh, there, you can find me on the on Facebook on uh, uh, John Steele author. There's a page there that uh, is a lot about me where I keep putting up photographs. I just did a book tour in the United States and I sort of did a photo blog of the whole thing. It was great fun. Uh, I things keep up to date there. There's also just a, the uh, the website uh, johnsteel-author.com that gets updated all the time. Uh, there's a 10 minute film there that we shot in Paris that sort of uh, is a preview of uh, of what's coming in Angel City, and it's rather nice because you get to wander around Paris, and uh, you know, that's always exciting. Um, but those are the two places. I'm also on Twitter uh, at Before Times. Um, where I, I'll sort of drop hints about what's happening every once in a while. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with John Steele, author of the Angelus Trilogy. Angel City, the second book in the trilogy, has just been published and is available in bookstores now. So grab a copy. John, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you very, very much. It was a real pleasure. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.